There we go. Now we're live. We are live. Welcome to episode 10. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. One of my favorite episodes of the year we're going to do today because we've got the goalie maestro. And he's got a great story because he lost he lost a chiclet playing goalie. You usually see goalie got all their teeth, but uh, Kevin Woodley's going to join us from In Goal Magazine and uh, NHL.com in just a minute. And I can't wait to talk to him. There's a ton to talk about. I always find that when Kevin comes on, the episodes are very educational because the goaltender position is um, one that's often criticized, but not as nearly understood as a lot of other positions in sports. So we're going to talk to Woody in just a second. Let me tell you about the Bet Parks app. Great time. Good card tonight. Uh, some good games to bet. We've got a great boost for you, which I'll tell you about in a second. But get the Bet Parks app and get in on all the actions. Same game parlays, live in-game betting, player performances on hoops, hockey, football, college, and pro. You name it. F1's going to be in Mexico this weekend. It's all there for you. Simple to use, simple to sign up, faster to win than ever before. And here's the hockey boost tonight. It's going to be, and we did this especially for Woody because he's coming on. It's a goalie boost. It's a combo goalie boost. We're going to go with the under tonight, six and a half goals in the Rangers-Islanders game. I hope Shosturkin's playing. I doubt it because he played last night. But maybe Shosturkin-Sorokin. Under six and a half goals. It was minus 148. We got it at minus 110. You got great value. Um, And I tell you what, if you use the uh, promo code BRICKWALL, all capital letters, BRICKWALL, one word, We'll boost it from minus 110 to plus 120. How about that? Right up to the puck drop. So, again, get on the Bet Parks app and get in on the action and the boost. It's going to be fantastic. And uh, you need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let me tell you about Conquerville Subaru real quick as well. I've been with Conquerville since the 80s. Bought my first car there. I bought many since. And I'd go back because they do great work in the community and they actually do care. So, stop by their great dealership on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Beautiful inventory, all the work they do. They were the first Subaru Nation Love Promise dealer or the award winner back in 2015. The work they do for eight years plus at Nemours Children's Hospital of Delaware, the classrooms that they adopt at Marcus Hook Elementary School, and the continuation of uh, donations of thousands of coats to La Humanidad Hispania in Kennett Square. They've done that for 10 years. They still continue to do it. So visit the showroom. It's not just the showroom. It's a service department, free car wash with every visit, and check out the certified pre-owned inventory and also pick from a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com or visit the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Conquerville cares. Let's get to them right now from Ingle Magazine, NHL.com, and north of the border, out in British Columbia, Vancouver to be exact, it is Kevin Woodley. Woody, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I hate to do this to you on your on your value bet there, but... Before you go under on Islanders Rangers, given the fact it's going to be Yaroslav Halak, you might want to have a look at Yaro's numbers against the Islanders since he left that team. I lived here in Vancouver yeah. firsthand last year. Didn't even get out of the game. There is something. Sometimes a goalie leaves a team, and I don't know what happened there, but whenever he plays that team since leaving that team, um, it doesn't go well. So yeah, how, um, The sample size has got to be small, though, no? Yeah, sample size is small, uh, but they're like, like I said, like, um, man, it's like they just have something to prove against them or something. They came out like they were like just hair on fire here in Vancouver. I don't think he even made it out of the game. So um, it's uh, I, I, I can't have them off the top of my head because I didn't know where, you know, I didn't have this ready to go. 
but I want to say the save percentage might be in the 700s head to head ever since he left that team. And obviously playing in Boston for a few years, they would have played a, a you know, t- yeah, not a out. huge sample size, but not nothing either. So keep an eye on that one. Uh, he's 848 right now. While Matt Murray only played one game at 750 is the worst. What do you could get a 750? I could get a 750. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, <laughs> we're old. I don't know if I, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky to maintain, uh, in old man hockey, I'm lucky to maintain that. So uh, I'm not going to pump my tires too good. I kind of suck. So those who can't do <laughs> teach and those who can't do or teach, they talk about it. That's me. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you do at Ingle. What's new at Ingle before we get into the, uh, the specifics here today? I mean, as usual, you know, we kind of roll them with a formula we like, uh, and that's just new content all the time that nobody else brings you. I'll be honest, for your listeners right now that aren't goaltenders, eh, probably not much there for you. But if you are a goalie, we'll actually make you a better goalie. If you got a goalie kid, uh, you got a goalie in the family, whether it's beer league, youth league, junior, we have NHL goalies that subscribe to us. We have a lot of NHL goalie coaches. We have over 200 professional goalie coaches that subscribe to our product to keep up with the latest trends in goaltending instruction on the ice from NHL goalies and goalie coaches. Every week we do a pro reads where an NHL goalie does a video session with us and tries to explain his reads. In other words, like the game's so dynamic. Why'd you choose this save? What are you looking yeah. for on a two on one hand? And it's things like that. Um, just really unique content. You can't get anywhere else. And like I said, if you're not a goalie, probably not for you, but if you are a goalie, um, it's we've got everything goalie heaven yeah Uh, the one thing i will tell people if you're hockey fans and if you're watching this it's very likely you're a hockey fan and if you don't understand the position go on ingle watch pro reads because it'll give you such a great understanding of the plight of the goaltender all the things the data points that he has to calculate in fluid motion and how he has to calculate them to come up with a save it's not as simple as shoot puck, stop puck, put yourself between that and the net. And it'll give you a real understanding of all the, all the considerations that go into a save. You know, is the guy on the other side of the ice that's a potential threat, right-handed or left-handed? That's a simple one. There's way more complexity even than that. Weighted, where their weight is distributed on their skates. I remember the first time, like this is a project I had in mind for a number of years. And the first guy that we did it with, um, we spent a day with Kerry Price up in Kelowna. It's about probably four years ago before we did the first one. And I'm like, hey, Pricer, like I got this idea. Throw on on a mic. I'm going to play some clips. I'm going to record you walking us through it. And I've covered the league now for 20 years. I'd like to think I've learned a lot about the position over the years. I was blown away at the the details that he is picking out in real time and how he is managing where he is in the crease, what save selection he makes based on those details in real time, when to look off the puck, uh, what you're looking for when you look off the puck and how that affects how you move, where you go to what it's, it it really is incredible. It gives you a, a good sense. And the other one too, and this, this will play into our discussion on defensive environments. Man, as much as it's about what the offense is doing, as you said, what hand is he? How's he holding his stick? Is he holding it away? Is he holding the puck out in front of him? Is it shooter, geek, or pass? Uh, all these incredible amounts of information that these guys process in real time. How the defense plays. It, it amazes me how many times uh, the read is based on, you know, I know my defenseman is going here. And so that means this is no longer the dangerous shot. So then I can not cheat because nobody wants to cheat, but I can flatten out 
my back leg so that when I have to make that push, I'm getting early angle on it rather than wait, 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 and start to move and maybe don't arrive set and square. Like the little hedges that you have here and there so many times are based on knowing what your defensemen are going to do and being able to trust that they're going to do it. Yeah. That's a big part of the environment, trusting it and that it's certain things are covered so you can play where play the puck with more confidence that you don't have to worry about something that you should not have to worry about. That was a big thing last year. Um, before we get to Carter Hart, because, you know, I, I see some of the advanced stats. I know you have clear sight analytics data. I want to see where that kind of goes too, but the, he's at the top of gold saved above. But where I want to start is here. I mentioned him already, Shesterkin. Has he supplanted Vasilevsky as the best goalie in the world? Because I say no, Kev, because – I think eight of the last 10 closeout games that Vasilevsky has played in are shutouts. And to me, that's the ultimate money spot for a goalie. He's not only a great regular season goalie, he's a great money goalie. To me, he's going to the Hall of Fame already. He's not even 30. Yeah, and I think, so, you know, Igor was incredible last year. And there are things Igor does. Uh, one of the stories I wrote about it, uh, the goalie coach here, Ian Clark, who has spent some time in Russia and knows a number of the, the top Russian goaltenders, um, the word he used was hovercraft. Like Igor is like a hovercraft on the ice. And there are things he does that nobody else is doing, at least to the degree he does it in terms of the way he uses his edges and the way he moves around the ice, uh, the way he builds early angle into movements using a leading edge from the knees. Like he moves as like, it, it's funny because Igor's patience on his skates and his mobility on his skates is a massive asset and a big part of what he does but his ability to move once he's on his knees is almost as good as when he's up on his skates. And it's, that's the part that, you know, he does at a level nobody else is doing. The difference to me is some of what Igor is doing appears to be somewhat teachable. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I mean, there are things he's doing that you could see the next wave doing a lot of what Vassy does is just like off the charts, freak athleticism and skill. Like, his ability to generate power from end range of movement. So when you're fully extended to still get a loaded push and still build coverage, not sprawl out, get extended, fall forward um, is, is just like nothing we've ever seen before. And I know some coaches that used to come to Canada in to Ottawa, actually to work with some coaches in the summer as a teenager, his agent brought him over and they used to measure sort of his ability to generate power from those end ranges. Like we can all load up a push edge and make a good push, but Bassey can be extended and still generate power. And so that's one of his separating factors. I'm with you. Like, I think if you look at last year, Igor is the best goalie in the league, worthy of the Vesna, and he's in the conversation as the best goalie in the world. That's yeah. how good his skill set is. But Vasi's ability to do it year in, year out, and the durability and the number of games played, yeah. um, to me, the mantle still belongs to him because, you know, like, like Igor's still in that it's one year. Right? Yeah. Like, like, until you do it, you haven't done it. And Vassie's ability to do it year after year after year. Do we see things in Igor that we expect to continue? Yeah. Um, absolutely. But I'm just not quite ready to hand that over. And hey, listen, at Ingle, we were one of the first ones to hand it to Vassie when people will, were still, you know, uh, talking about the guy over my shoulder, Carey Price. Like as much as Price was a, a human how to goalie DVD, um, there were things Vassie was doing maybe before that mantle got handed over that we saw that we're talking about, like, no, like, like, like Vassie's the best, like, like Carrie's one of the best of all time. And Vassie's now moved into that range. I'm with you on that Hall of Famer already. Yeah. I mean, just the results are mind boggling and he does 
play a huge workload too. He plays a lot of games. Like the, if you can handle not playing much as a backup and Brian Elliott is damn near our age. Um, if you can handle that, then Hey, you're not going to wear and tear. You're going to make good money and you sit on the bench and you know, you work hard and practice and be ready to go if anything happens, but he rarely pull, he doesn't pull up lame. He doesn't want to come out of games. Were you surprised last year? He didn't want to come out of the one game. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but you know, and 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 you wonder if it, there's any benefits of sticking in. But then again, like if it's another goalie, you're asked that question. But this is a guy who, like, he hasn't come out of any games. Um, he played, you know, like how many guys in the bubble the year they won? Like who played every game? Like like nobody. Yeah. And that's just that's how he is. That's how so he's we're going built. three deep, Woody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, what well, we saw 119 goaltenders in the National Hockey League last year, a record by like a, like like a moonshot, like 119. I think the previous high was like 98, and that was also pandemic related. Um, you know, Bassey just keeps just keeps going. A high workload in the season, plays every minute in the playoffs, and that's like I said to me, that's why he's still at the top of that conversation. Uh, with Price being essentially done at this point, um, what's his legacy? You know, some people will say he's not even the greatest goalie of his generation. I saw that argument on social media. I say bullshit. I mean, I think, I mean. I mean, they're over my shoulder right now. If this is, if this is, everyone can see the video. It's not just audio. I got Price over one and Lundqvist over the other. Like, to me, that's the argument of that generation. Um, In his best years, there was nobody that could touch him. Uh, And I think that, you know, when I, you, know, you can argue stats and where he belongs all time and injuries are obviously going to play a role in limiting where he, how far he can climb on the all-time list. But I'm telling you, nobody moved the needle in the goaltending world like Carey Price. Nobody inspired the next generation of goaltenders like Carey Price. Nobody was looked up to as a model for how to play the game the new way when we talk about things like efficiency like Carey Price. CCM built an entire line of equipment and brand around Carey Price, the, the E-Flex line. Um, you know, you t- talked to Carter, actually, I'm supposed oh, yeah. to later today, about, you know, what he meant. Not just not just Canadian goalies either, right, though? Like, you heard Jake Ottinger talk the other day about what, when he was at, at, you know, going to university in Boston and he would go to Bruins games. Who do you want to go see? Vasilevsky and Price, right? Like, so there's, yeah. a, there's a, you know, like one of the great next stars for American goaltending, and he wanted to watch Carey. I, I said earlier – a human, ha- I mean, I guess DVDs aren't relevant anymore, so I'm dating myself, but he was a human how-to goalie DVD. Like, you watched him, and you modeled yourself after him. The poise, the calmness, the patience, the efficiency. Like, Kerry was just, his best was untouchable. Uh, we saw it in the year where he won the, the heart as well as the Vesna, and it, and it just, like, like, nobody, nobody even came close to moving the needle. Like, Lundquist was iconic. Yeah. But from an equipment standpoint... From a, if, if Kerry, we, we used to do a day with price in the summers, every summer, Kerry switched from a 600 break to a 590 break, which is just a very subtle difference in the way the glove closes around the hand. And I mean, if you're not a goalie, you wouldn't spot it because it's Kerry. Literally, we posted a video of 30 seconds of him just skating around the ice at the beginning. And we, our comments lit up. Oh my God, has he changed to a 590 glove? Like, yeah people paid attention to every little detail that he did. Um, he, like I said, move the needle in the goaltending world. Frankly, like no one I've ever seen in my 20 years covering the position. He was it when it came he, to the goalie union. His, you mentioned his poise and his calmness. Like it never looked like <clears throat> his heart rate was elevated. Like he was just so just relaxed to play his style and move so efficiently. And I will say this, that I had a chance to meet him a couple of times off the ice after games. 
he was as chill and good of a dude as you'll find. I mean, yeah, not weird, yeah. but just a good guy. Yeah, and we've obviously we've been blessed too. The the day with Price that we used to do with Eli Wilson goalie camps, uh, one day every summer, and it was all kids, right? So he spent the day with them. It wasn't just yeah. went out on the ice for one session. Dressed in the it room was, with them, everything. Tying, tying up kids' skates. Carrie, can you help me with my skates? Yeah. How do you do your toe ties? Oh, here's how he did a little demonstration. They all tried it. Um, you know, how do you break in your glove? Uh, can you help me with my knee pads? Like, how should I be wearing my knee pads? He'd be in there tying skates, talking to the kids. Like, uh, and this was before he had kids. Uh, and his dad Jerry would be there. And we, uh, I remember thinking, like, this guy's going to be like the best dad in the world because he didn't yeah. have kids yet, and he already sort of understood. It wasn't just one ice session; it was two ice sessions, an off ice session. Uh, showed them how to do dynamic warm up. Like, he really spent the day. And we talk about good person. Uh, at the beginning of the day, there was a breakfast, and the kids would all be in the room, and the parents would come in, and they'd be in the back of the room, right? And so the kids would go down to the change room and, and, and start to get their gear together. And Carrie would go to the parents and introduce himself. Just like, Hey, yeah. I'm Carrie Price. Thank you so much for being a part of this day. Cause it raised some funds for some good causes as well. And like, yeah. just, it comes from his dad. It comes from his parents, his mom, his dad, they're humble people. Uh, they work incredibly hard and Carrie sort of has brought all those. Uh, he brought all of that onto the ice not just when he was wearing a Montreal Canadiens uniform, but in everything he did around the game. And so um, he'll be missed. Uh, it's, you know, I, I hope, you know, I know it's, it's a long shot and he talked about it, like hoping for a medical miracle, but man, if the goalie union could just have one, let's give it to Carey Price. Cause like, again, over my shoulder, like I'm losing all my icons here, Luongo, Lundquist, yeah. Price. And this is actually, you know, I wrote a column for NHL.com. Like think about the names that we've lost in the last three years when it comes yep. to goaltending. Like mm -hmm. even like those are the, you know, like Mount Rushmore of the past generation, maybe. But, you know, beyond that, like, you know, Dubnik, like he was leading the league in games played just like four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Howard was the number one for how many years in Detroit? Corey Crawford. Like there I have a dozen NHL goalies who are like were workhorse confirmed. You could lock them in for 60 to 65 for a team number one goalies forever. And they've all just kind of left the game in the last two or three years that's a massive hole like guys like ryan miller they they weren't just great goalies for a long time they took up number one minutes for more than a third of the league for an entire decade and now yeah. you've got to replace those it's and it's and there's a whole list of bright young stars coming behind them but it's it's really interesting to think like that opportunity that they've opened up in the last three years like i can't remember a period of time where in that short order we've had that many prominent names, prominent minute munching number ones leave the game. And so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys that need to fill those minutes. It's not easy. And I think that's part of why we're seeing the one, a one B the, the yep. gap between starter and backup is closed for sure. That's part yep. of it. And but schedule. You, you need it. Yeah. And, and, but, but when you lose guys like that, that mm -hmm. many, like I said, there's opportunities that, you know, I talked to Spencer Knight about this the other day uh, and, and Jeremy Swayman, like those opportunities just didn't exist because yeah. guys like Tuka Rask, they were there. You penciled them in. There was no chance to go into a Boston Bruins and, and, and get games played because Tuca was there and he was going to play his games. And so um, it really fascinating to see sort of how this starts to evolve with these, these young guys coming in and, and taking up some of those minutes and how they handle it because it's an adjustment. Yeah. yeah, there's three guys that are probably really close to the end too and quick, Flurry and uh, Craig Anderson too. I mean. Oh, I, Andy was here last week. He's never done. One more year yeah. every year. Yeah, well, he, he only played two games, but Jesus, he's performed well. Um, 
let's since we talked about Carrie, let's talk about Carter because we know we see the similarities in the way they approach the game, the way they read the game, movements to a, to an extent. Although Carter, there certainly is differences as well. But Carter this season, Woody has gotten off to just an unbelievable start, and it's odd because he didn't play any preseason games. And matter of fact, he missed most of the preseason scrimmages as well because he got run into. Did a lot of work with Dilly, with Kim Dillabaugh on the technical elements, came in in really good shape, had a really good summer of training. But he hits the ground running here from game one and has been just simply unbelievable. Yeah, and the, the adjusted numbers, I heard you mention it earlier. It's cause, because let's be honest, in small samples, sometimes it can be goaltending never exists in a vacuum. My one caveat all the time, it's a function of team play. And in small samples, sometimes, like there are guys in the league, I was on Edmonton Radio the other day, and somebody asked me about Tristan Jari's off-the-charts numbers. I'm like, yeah, like he's been great. Like he's played above expected. But he's also played in, at that point, the most friendly goalie environment we'd seen. Well, what happens last night? Uh, the Oilers, the Oilers are, are a very not friendly goalie opponent yeah. uh, and they hang five or six on them. So um, the thing about Carter is his environment, you know, his expected save percentage, like it's not inflated. Uh, this is him. Like he's 4% above expected. He's, he's one of the top goalies in the league relative to environment. Uh, again, tiny sample size, but he's like top five in that regard. You mentioned Craig Anderson. He's up there. Um, Jordan Bennington, Charlie Lindgren in a couple, you know, just a couple of games. And, and Carter's, you know, again, like his, his environment's a little under 900 and he's outperforming it by a significant mark. So this is not, um, this is not a goalie who is being carried by his team. This is a goalie who's outperforming that environment. Now I'm going to lean on you a little bit. The environment from a statistical standpoint appears to be better than last year. Um, but by an expected save percentage, not significantly so. And that's the thing that we can have all the analytics in the world, um, you know, that measure the quality of shots. But what we never, what we can't really know is, is the environment predictable. And yeah. hey, listen, every goalie will tell you the game's so dynamic. There's no such thing as a truly predictable environment. But going back to the pro reads, um, are the things that the, everybody is supposed to do being done to the point where the goalie can start to eliminate some of those options in front of them and maybe just lock in on one or two and not have to worry about all five. And so um, that doesn't get measured in analytics. Like we measure how many chances they give up. We measure the quality of them, but what we rarely are able to do is, is tell you whether they're the ones that the goalie is expecting, whether they fit with how that system is supposed to be played. And so um, you've seen them more than me, uh, but in terms of the shot quality and stuff, like it, it's not, it's not a significant change. He's just outplaying it by a significant margin, which he did a couple years ago, but did not last year. I think the the environment has been better and certainly more predictable, especially backdoor. That was something last year that was a major problem. You know, under AV and then Mike Yo we were texting about this playing that man-to-man style. It can get flooded where the puck is sometimes. And, you know, you get caught in spots and backdoor was always a problem. And he started to lean because he just kept getting touched there. And when you lean, you die. You know, they're too, they're too, the shooters are too good. It's not for, there's no forgiveness in the NHL to be able to get away with that. But the thing that I've noticed with him this year, I think it was last year where he was, experimented with taking a little more ice. He seems back at a better at his regular depth, Woody. 
And just his play reading looks really sharp, which is why I was surprised because he didn't play preseason. That's usually something you have to dial in a little bit. But is there some kind of magic formula or something that you see with consistency on some goalies that start well and some that struggle? No, if I had a magic formula, Jason, I would have sold it and be retired in Maui right now surfing. Yeah. Um, With all due respect, if I had a magic formula, we wouldn't be talking. (laughs) I I would have cashed that baby out in the goaltending world because everybody's looking for it. Um, No, especially when it comes to starts. Like like we talked about Luongo, right? Like Lou used to just absolutely hate the month of October. And it almost became a self-fulfilling prophecy for him. Didn't matter what he did. He struggled in October and it was like the calendar flipped to November. It's like he just needed to get past Halloween or something. And all of a sudden he was a Hall of Famer, right? Like, like literally a Hall of Famer. I actually, if you take away his Octobers, I wonder how good his, like his numbers would be significantly better because October was terrible for him. So some guys, but Lou was a very much, as much as we talked about technique with him, very much a read-based goalie. It's why he didn't fit when Torts was here for the one year because they you know, and I, and I think Torts is adapted too. I don't think he's a pure just collapse like he was with the Rangers where everybody sort of just falls back in front of the net. I don't think that's how they play anymore for him, but it was how they played here. And Lou was a guy who needed to see and read plays and he couldn't because everyone was in front of him. And he liked to play his ability to read the game despite not being like, like he had like size 13 skates and sometimes turning those things could be like turning a freight, you know, like a, a big freighter out on the ocean. Like it, it didn't happen fast. Agility. <laughs> was not, you know, the backbone of a Hall of Fame career for him. So all of a sudden he had all this crowd in front of the net, goalie that relies relies on reads to sort of to beat plays and be at the top of his crease is starting to hedge a little bit. Or when he doesn't hedge, he can't see the play. It's hitting all those bodies. It's bouncing. And now lateral recovery speed is not wasn't his strength. And he doesn't get to feel the puck. Like rebounds are one thing. If it hits us, we know we should have a feel. Even if we don't see it, we should at least be able to feel it and have an idea where it's going broken plays the ones that it hits a body in front chances are you didn't see it you didn't feel it you don't know where it's going and for lou like he's out at the top of his crease he's not getting his reads and that puck's going everywhere it's like about like marty burry used to call them grenades right like again guys that read the game i think sometimes maybe do struggle a little bit and so in october so i've always leaned like it's not an absolute but a slight rule of thumb like guys who are a little more technical in their foundation Every goalie relies on reads, but to varying degrees. Um, and to me, guys that are maybe a little more conservative, a little more foundational, technical foundation, probably have a better chance of getting off to a good start than guys who move a lot more and rely on reads uh, a little bit more in terms of, like everybody needs to feel good about their ability to process the game, but some guys lean heavily on it. And other guys, you know, it's, it's, it's an added layer to, you know, a foundation that's based more on where they are in the crease and they're not going to change that. So if Carter's backed it up a little bit, that probably makes it a little bit easier um, to trust those reads. Sometimes it's just a reset, right? you got a new coach, got a hell of a coach in Bradshaw on the assistant side uh, in terms of helping, you know, run and get the most out of the defense. I think a lot of people had question marks about. We saw him do it here in Vancouver. They gave up a ton, um, you know, but, you know, in some, like, with, with great goaltending from Demko, they survived it. Uh, and I think that was you know, a large influence of Bradshaw sort of, yeah, like, listen, we don't have a great defense, but here's what we're going to give up. Um, here's what we're not willing to give up. And so, you know, maybe it's just a chance to reset and, and Hey, I'm going to come in here and I'm not going to worry about the nine back doors that got through last year. I'm not going to cheat off that post. 
Uh, I know how the system is supposed to be. I'm going to trust the guys to play it. I'm going to play my position the way it is. And sometimes the start of a season when you're trying to make a reset like that, you can, it's easier said than done, but you can erase all that baggage of, oh crap, I don't know if I can trust this guy to take away that back there. I better start, as you said, leaning or cheating. And, and you know, it used to be the Oilers. They were so terrible defensively. They kept spitting out goalies and they were always my go-to example. Like, do you think it's a goalie or do you think it's the fact yeah. that the goalie can't trust the system? If, if the first 10 that aren't supposed to get through, get through, chances are you're leaning on the next one. And if you lean in this league or cheat, you're dead. So yeah. um, that there's probably a little bit of that. You know what I've noticed? And again, I haven't watched as much as you. I watched the Canucks game, obviously. Uh, I've gone through some of the, the uh, some of some saves and, and some particulars here through, on clear site. Um, Carter's so good technically, like his ability to get rotation and, and move and sort of build coverage ground up and, and, and recover and, and his ability to move and skate is so good. Like that was the foundation for him. Um, I've seen more for lack of a better term. I almost want to call them ugly saves, yeah. but like, just like the game's too dynamic to always be perfect. And he's damn near perfect technically when he's at his best. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him just throw that technique out the window at times. And I think against the Canucks there, it was Kuzmenko on the back door and like, rather than try and get perfect rotation, build blocker over pad and get a good push. Like he just, he just stuck the leg out. And sometimes to get extra leverage and stick that leg out further, we need to pitch forward, right? Like if you're in mm-hmm. a butterfly and you need to extend the leg, if you allow your torso to pitch forward, you can like get that much more extension out of your leg. And he was willing to do that. He was willing to throw technique out the window and ended up making a, like, I think Kuzmenko got a couple whacks at it, like maybe two, three yeah. really difficult scramble saves that, you know, if you're a technician, you look at it and you go, Ooh, like, you know, he's doing snow angels out there, but man, he's just doing what it takes and so competing yeah and and carter always had that in junior as much as he was you know and and myself included looked at him as this like carry like technical model for how to move and how to track and how to you know have that patience um he used to like he battled too like he competed on pox and i'm not saying he wasn't competing in philly but i like it just in that game it jumped out at me that there you don't want to abandon your technique too often too soon but it looked mm-hmm. like there was more of a willingness in some of those crazy scramble situations to just, man, whatever I got to do to get something on the puck. And um, right now it's working. So I don't know if that's something you've seen as well, but like yeah. it's a tiny sample and I haven't even watched all of it, but it jumped out at me a little bit. Yeah. Against the lightning. Uh, it was actually a goal that ended up scoring. You got a good piece of it though, on Stamco's second goal and a one timer on an East West play. There were, there was two options. It was kind of an East West from down below the b- bottom of the circle. There was an option on his near side, about the top of the circle, on his glove hand side. And then there was the option across, which was Stamkos, which they went with. And because he had to consider that other option, he couldn't be loaded for a good push and have this great technical movement. So he just threw himself. And the guy that I do intermissions with, Brian Smith, said, tell me, like, that looked weird. And it was because he was just, he didn't have pad turn and grab an edge. It was just literally throwing his body across the crease, which is something that he was he would not do before. It wasn't that there wasn't a willingness, but it's part of as you develop as a goaltender. Let me ask you about because playing for torts, you know. Let me just let me go just ahead. go back a little bit because I, I think it's important. Like like it's a fine line there, right? Like, and one of the things that I didn't love early in Philly was that I felt like they they almost wanted him to do more of that in situations where. You know, I mean, who the hell am I? But like on plays where I know he can beat it set and square, he was going into this spread. And so it's a matter of finding that line. And like anything in goaltending, it's a balance. And so it just looks like he has a better balance. Like he's still, 
Like I don't see him going dialing up goalie nine one one when he doesn't need to, but it's when everything breaks down and sometimes you just gotta like open the car doors and go. There's that willingness. Yep. You start opening the car doors and dialing goalie nine one one early in sequences or when the play's higher in the zone or on every odd man rush, and eventually that probably catches up to you. It's a matter of finding you can't completely throw that foundation out the door. Um, but it looks like there's a better balance there, at least, like I said, early going. Um, and man, confidence can do a lot of things and hope he keeps building on it. Um, one of the things, Woody, with John Tortorella teams, you saw it firsthand out there in Vancouver. We've seen it over the tenure at a lot of different places. I'm not sure if it was a big mantra of his back in the Tampa Bay Lightning days, but certainly was with the Rangers, certainly was probably the one year in, in Vancouver and was in, in Columbus as well was he asked his guys, defenders, and that's all five skaters, to block shots. And that is a tricky thing for a goaltender. Because as a goalie, you love to see the release, especially on a shot with any kind of distance. And if guys are getting in front of it, there's a lot of variables that can happen. Carter's handled it well so far. There's been a decent amount. I mean, Proveroff blocked 10 shots in the first game against the Devils. But there's an art and an approach to dealing with that. What does a goalie got to consider? when guys are willing to put that stick on a puck or put their, try and get their shin pads in front of it. I think you just, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to trust that it's going to do more harm than good. Um, I, I will say that over time, you know, there are ones that there are shots from certain distances that y- you, you almost just want to like, let your goalie take it. Like, like yeah, I say, just it. give it to me, just get out of the yeah, way. Yeah. And, and it is a real fine line. Um, but I, that's just what torts asks of them. And I, and I think there's a difference. Like you tell me again, I haven't had a chance to really break down and look at the systems, but certainly here in Vancouver, there was more of a collapsing when they did it. And now it's more of like, it's a mantra as an individual, but you're not just clogging five guys and creating like layered screens all the time. Right. Yeah, like that's there's, hell. yeah. Like you can <clears throat> front the puck and, and, and get in front of a, of, of a, of a net front guy and block a shot as opposed to standing beside him and creating like multiple lanes of traffic for your goaltender. So like shot blocking doesn't have to be a bad thing for a goalie. Like it can bail you out a bunch of times when you don't get across on that stamp coast one time, or if a guy's actually got a leg out there and he gets a piece of it. So no goalie's going to say, I don't want it, but certainly there are shots and it can help you feel good. Like some of those, the night, you know, um, Carolina was, uh, did this a lot. Like they blocked everything. Like they used to block, like even the outside point shots. And as a goalie, like, it's like, nah, that's, that's when I stopped. Like, like I was calling the 99 percenter. So it's probably closer to a hundred. Like I'm stopping that, like maybe not 99 out of a hundred. It's more like 399 out of 400. And I get to feel the puck and I feel the game and I feel good. And Hey, I pad my stats a little bit too. Like there are some shots that just get the hell out of my way. Uh, You don't want guys reaching sticks and lanes on odd man rushes on, on plays where from a certain distance, you've got that and all of a sudden it changes. Um, so there's risk uh, on both sides of it. But as a goalie, like, I don't know you can do anything differently. You just have to, this is the one part of Carter's game that I think will, will allow him to survive it if it flips the other way and becomes problematic from, from a goalie perspective. And that's, you just have to stay on the release as long as you can and stay on mm-hmm. the puck. And Carter's tracking and the way he does it and the way he moves is one of his strengths. And so, you know, he's not as much as from certain ranges, you have to react. Like we talk about all the information these guys gather, right? Like there are certain areas of the ice where if you wait till that pucks off the blade, 
you're probably moving too late from a reaction standpoint. Um, you know, all kinds of science on how long that takes to go in the net and how fast the human eye and brain can interact and, you know, create that motion. A lot of it is learned. Like I know where his hands are. I know where his head are. I know where this puck is going before it's off his blade based on all this information and these tens of thousands of shots I've taken. It's why goalies hate it when a guy misses and scores. There's nothing worse. He's riding the stick mm-hmm. celebrating because it went between your five hole and you know damn well he was shooting high glove and he just missed and because you were it. reading. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We hate it, but it happens. Yep. Um, that's why I hated playing C League or League. Yeah. Some donkey coming down, some bender come in and like he show me high blocker the whole way down. And he whips. And then he, and then he slides it five hole because he misses <laughs> the puck. I, I look like a dick. It's, it's one of the reasons almost no NHL goalies ever play the position again once they're done. They all become yeah. defensemen and forwards if they play at all. Um, but so, but my point being more, there are areas on the ice where you have to react, but there are other areas where like, regardless, Carter stays on releases visually and, and biomechanically better than a lot of goalies. So he truly sees the, he's not re yes. You sometimes you have to react early, but he has sort of true vision on the puck longer in its trajectory towards him than a lot of goalies. And so that should serve him well. Um, you know, if they're hitting legs, if they're hitting bodies, if they're moving around, like, again, you know, it's, it's a tough one, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, how, how many times does it hit and help you? How many times does it hit and hurt you? You hope your yeah. team stays on the right side of that formula, but as a goalie, all you can do is try and stay on that puck as, and be as patient as you can, as long as you can. And then recognize like, is he inside? Know, like, is he outside? You know, we're, Oh yeah. I mean, picking lanes and screens and like, there's a system there, right? Like it's not, it's not random. Yeah. I mean, goalies tend to lean on the short side because there's more crap in the middle that if they don't see a puck, um, if the shot goes to the middle and they're looking around a screen on the, on the short side, chances are it's going to hit a body first of all, or there's better chances on the middle than it is on the short side, but also like, like, you know, draw a simple line from the face-off dot. Shorter distance. Yeah, the puck will get in on the short side faster than it can get in on the far side. So you have more time to react and move around behind a screen into yeah. a shot if you read it that way. Priority is always vision. Um, but to me, again, that's systems, right? Like that's – I mean, if anybody thinks the NHL goalies and players go out there and just be like, get in front of everything. You know, I remember having this conversation with Laner about what made it so easy in, with the Islanders. Like they knew it. Like didn't just know what lane the players were supposed to be in the players got in the right lane. We see it here in Vancouver. The, the penalty kills atrocious and it's not just a scene pass. It's a screenshots and people will be like, Oh, well, like he should be able to manage a screen. I'm like, yeah, he is managing a screen and he's managing it. Right. But the defenseman's in the wrong lane, like consistently in the wrong lane. And so that, that to me is one of those parts of systems and trusting systems that gets overlooked. Like, Hey, what lanes are we supposed to be in? And, you know, you and I probably don't know, but are they in them, right? Like, yeah. are they in the lanes they're supposed to be in? Are they, and then is the goalie doing what he's supposed to do? And that's filling the other lane or looking through, using the other lane for to get sight on the puck. And so all those things come together. That's why goaltending and, and hockey is so hard to track because even if we track quality of scoring chances, what we don't know is whether that was within what the system should give up or not. Yeah, we don't know if that was the play call to use a football reference. You go, well, they blew that coverage. So-and-so blew it. Well, you don't know. Maybe he was supposed to blitz. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah like, like who got the read wrong? The quarterback? Like, yeah. Did the quarterback get the read wrong and the receiver went to the right spot? Or did the receiver cut the root off because he read it wrong? Who's right? Who's wrong? We don't know. Yep. Like, 
every two seconds there's one of those decisions on the ice when the play's in your end as a, as a goalie and as a team defending. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, he's been in the league now, Carter, for five years, and his game has evolved. But let me ask you this, because you're out there in Vancouver living it right now again with Richard Demko, goalie with an incredibly high ceiling that's getting touched up, got touched up pretty good last year. Had a good year, though, by all standards. Carter was top, really touched up. Top five adjusted last year. His yeah. adjusted numbers were had him top. Like, the raw stuff didn't even have him in the Vesna conversation. The adjusted stuff should have. Yep. And you look at it, and, you know, Carter's raw numbers adjusted last year, the last two years, were pretty rough. How did he overcome that? And because a lot of times they say, well, don't bring a goalie up because you're going to damage him. Now, he's not super young anymore, but – he played a lot of hockey at a very young age before a lot of guys even get to the league. And he seems to come back and have this ability to compartmentalize it, park it, whatever he needs to do and come back and, and battle, you know, on a new day, like he's kind of doing this year. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I actually wish I could have a conversation with him, uh, you know, uh, and sort of walk through that process with him. I was actually yeah. hoping to have gotten to Edmonton and, and, and watch him on the ice a little bit this summer, but some other things got in the way. Um, so I don't want, I don't want to speak out of turn, but you can't really see what's between a guy's ears, right? Like we can watch technique, we can analyze that, but, but what you look for is signposts along the way in terms of mental strength. And, you know, clearly he was tested a lot, like the pandemic, which I know he's talked about and just what that, what that did to a young guy without having any resources or outlets being sort of trapped in your apartment. I, I know what that was like here. Cause I talked to guys like, you know, there were goalies here that went through the same thing. It's not easy. Um, the thing is, like, at the end of the day, goaltending, we hear it all the time. It's like goaltending and golf. Next shot. Next shot mentality. Like, you have to have a next shot mentality. And it is the easiest thing to do and the hardest thing – or the easiest thing to say and the hardest, hardest thing, thing to, to do. do. Yeah, it's so – like, every goalie can say it. Every goalie does say it. But what tools do you have to make sure you can live it, to make sure you can do it? And I think – when it comes to tools mentally, I mean, we know the work that, you know, I actually don't even know, to be honest, if they still work together. I actually don't think they do. But like he had a lot of tools at a young age. He's worked with John Stevenson. I know he's worked with the flyer staff there. Like he knows how to get to what he needs to do. Um, sometimes that changes as you become a pro. I've talked to a lot of guys like Carter had a lot of different things he used to do. Like he was on, you know, self body scans, you know, like the cold shower routine, like mm -hmm. Carter, no stone unturned, right? Like he would leave no stone unturned um, to try and get to optimize performance. And some guys, as they get into the league for a little while, realize that like, man, like that's a lot. And they start to back off and they start to figure out what they really need. And I, again, I haven't had a chance to have that conversation to see if he's dialed back some of that stuff, but you know, I know here in, in Vancouver, Demko did as a young pro, like, Hey, maybe I don't need to do all these things. Maybe that's taxing me mentally. Maybe it's, you know, some guys, they, they, they add so many pieces to a, a pregame routine that after a couple of years, they need like three hours to do it, and they're exhausted before the puck drops. And it's the Chris Osgood lesson. What would you learn from Dom Hashik? He's like, I learned to let go. Like yeah. Dom didn't dial in until like he could look like he didn't even care about anything. And all of a sudden the puck drops, and boom, he was focused. So, um, you know, there's probably been some lessons there along the way. Again, I don't want to speak out of turn having not asked him what some of those are, but I just think you've got a goalie in Carter. Who's just, he's had, he's, he's been exposed to all those tools because he sought them out. And with time, my guess is he's probably figured out which ones he really needs, which ones he doesn't, but having access to them is a hell of a lot better than not knowing what to do. 
And maybe having to weed a few out is a hell of a lot better than not having something you can go to to get back to your foundation. I just think whether it's the technical foundation or the ability to manage moments, like he has all the tools. It's just a matter of with time and experience in the league, um, picking out which ones are going to help you in which situations and employing them. Uh, It it just sometimes it takes time. All that rigidity um, can, if one thing is knocked off kilter in your, in your routine, it can tailspin you. You can worry about it. And then see, sometimes you have to knock off some of those things and, and simplify it. You know, when you look at him, Kev, you know, you see his game, his technical abilities, his professionalism, his compete level, you know, you know, him as well as yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge card. Like, like, yeah. I'm a goalie analyst, quote unquote, I guess some people call me. I'm, I'm a huge Carter Hart fan. Like I just love, I love the way he goes about his business and carries I mean, himself. Right. Yeah. Just, just everything. I mean, I love his game. I love lots of elements. And so, yeah, like there's the caveat, right? I, yeah. I am a fan of Carter Hart. So provided all of that and provided that, you know, he's got a team with good structure in front of him. How great can he be? Uh, can he be, you know, top five in the league? Does he have that? I, I, I mean, I, I've always seen it's those tools. To yeah, I've always seen those tools, but I almost feel like I almost don't want to say anything. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like like it's it's a great start. Like, there's going to have to be building blocks. Mm-hmm. You, you don't become a top five goalie in the league. It's an evolution without, without a top ten defense. Like, there aren't many guys that get to have top five seasons without top ten defenses. And that's why, like, like, and even even when they do, like, we talked about Demko. Like Demko was playing behind a bottom five, bottom six defense here in Vancouver in terms of the environment, and the adjusted numbers were top five. But like, if I say he's top five to most people, well, and especially right now the way things are going for this team and him, yeah, they don't see it. Last last season, they just don't see it that way. Including the, those who vote on the Vesna. You talk to goalie people and they see it. You talk to a Roberto Luongo and he'll put him in that conversation. Um, so that's, you know, it's tough. Like, and, and I don't know that that environment's going to be there for him this year. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it has been more of a process. He had so much early success that, that, you know, even myself, I got carried away. I like, I, I'm like, he's going to be the one that breaks the mold. And in some ways he has, like, I don't know that Spencer Knight's in the national hockey league in his third season as a 21, like he's in his thirties. I mean, I guess second full season, but three yeah. years of time in the league as a 21 year old. Like Carter opened that door with his early success for other guys. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I remember writing that story. Like, this is the change. We don't have to wait till they're 25, 26. And, and maybe that heaps too much pressure on them. And, and obviously there were steps back. Like, it's never going to be a complete, not every, even Vasilevsky, he's had this, this great clear career. And right from the get-go, you knew how good he was. But does, are we talking about him as a Hall of Famer if he's playing in Columbus behind that team instead of behind Tampa. I'm not sure. So everything has yeah. to come together. And for all the reasons that, you know, I just said about, about sort of calling that shot prematurely, myself included, um, and not seeing that, you know, there might be some bumps in the road along the way. I'm hesitant to just be like, yeah, he like, he's going to be a top five goalie at the end of the day, seen it since junior. He absolutely has that capability. Yeah. But if I could tell you exactly how this path goes, um, you know, again, I'd I'd uh, I'd have a much higher paying job. Yeah, he's certainly got the pedigree and you know those intangibles as well. Like you see Flurry and people go, "Well, he went right to the NHL." No, he played like eighty nine games oh, in the dude, AHL. I, I covered you know? him in his rookie year, and yeah. 
like he got he got touched up like that was a Crushed. bad team I, yeah i remember him when he, he actually one of his last games before he went to world juniors because remember they had him in the nhl for half a season yep. then sent him to world juniors was actually here in vancouver and I think Marcus Naslin touched him up for four that night and he was headed to the World Juniors. I'm like, well, don't worry. He also holds the goal scoring record for World Juniors at the time. I think Nazi did. And like, it's just, it's not an easy league to learn in. Um, and like I said, I, I, I was like, he's ready. I think he thought he was ready. I think he was ready. Um, but there's, you know, you, you put him in a tougher environment. Um, you know, there's going to be adjustments that have to be made. I, I don't know how many people were thriving, frankly, behind that defensive environment. Yeah. And people are, were a little quick, you know, myself included, and maybe jump to conclusions that he was, you know, bang, right out of the gate, straight to superstardom. Um, but I also... It's not a straight thought, line. It never is. No, and, and like I said, the yeah. ones that it has been a straight line for, um, in a lot of cases, they were on good teams as well. It's not just because, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Andre Vasilevsky got to where he is just because the Tampa Bay Lightning are a good team, but it sure as hell doesn't hurt that he came into the NHL behind a good team. He's still he, he arced with the team, too. Exactly. You know, they went from Bishop to him, and, you know, when he first came in, he was raw. He had you a know, lot and to so, learn. And here's another one, and this is one I'm, I'm looking at trying to write a, for NHL.com in the coming months, the importance of mentorship. Yep. Um, you know, uh, how many, uh, at a time when we lose all these, these guys have, have been greats for so long. I've had a couple of goalie coaches talk to me, like they've had young, really good prospects come through, but they worry about not having that mentor in front of them. Right. And so, you know, Eric Comer has been around for a long time, but he's benefiting from Craig Anderson. He's getting his first yeah. taste of the NHL now as a full timer, maybe a chance to be a number one. And, and Andy's there to help. Um, you know, I, I, I know they worried about that uh, with Stuart Skinner in Edmonton, right? As he was coming up, you know, do you have that Do you have that mentor to work with to show you the ropes to figure things out? And that's the one On thing I will say. On and off the ice. Yes, yeah. and, and, I, and I'm not sure. And, and like, like Brian Elliott's a great person and, and probably can teach a lot of things. But, but that number one job, like having a guy who's been there, done that at that level, sustained over time. And you look at Corey Schneider following Roberto Luongo. And obviously not every franchise has the ability to offer that. Um, but I do wonder how much it hurt sort of not having that type of guy. I mean, Vasilevsky had Bishop, right? Yep. Like like, like he had he had that guy there with him. Shishterkin had Lundqvist. Yeah. Right? Like, like don't, you know, and they will tell you, those goalies will tell you. Jake Ottinger had Ben Bishop. Yeah. Right, yep. like these goalies will tell and you, and also how had Doobie. Yeah, and and these goalies will tell you how important those types yep. of voices can be to figuring totally things agree. out early on. And and I'm not sure he had that, um, you know, in those early years. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Woody, this was awesome. Everybody needs to check out. Uh, in, is it ingold.com? Ingoldmag.com. Ingoldmag.com. Google Ingold Magazine or search that mm -hmm. up anywhere on the social medias, and you'll you'll find us. Like I said. If you're not a goalie, probably not for you. If you are a goalie, we'll make you a better goalie, and we'll, we'll we will share with you tips, drills, insights from NHL goalies and goalie coaches that, quite frankly, just don't exist anywhere else. There's nobody in the world that does what we do. It is a niche, um, but it's one that I think we serve, uh, frankly, as well as anyone ever has. So, um, yeah, and it's cheap. It's like fifty bucks a year to be a premium member, Canadian, which is like I don't know. That might be two cups Jeez. of coffee in the U.S. Yeah, practically giving it away, Jason. Seven ninety five in the U.S. <laughs> um, yeah, check it out. It, it's it's fantastic content. Please, please check it out because I got I got to pay for the new tube. 
Yeah, you got the tooth knocked out with a puck. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so much for the mask. Yeah, that's even more impressive. Well, that's what happens when you taking clappers from uh, guys that played in the show. <laughs> um, Woody, thanks for doing this so much, man. Be well out there. Um, try not to let what's going on with the Canucks drag you down, man. Appreciate it. I can't stay this bad forever. I hope. <laughs> All right, man. Be good. Thanks. You too. There he is. Kevin Woodley joining us on episode 10 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. So much great information there. I love talking goaltending with him. We've had some long nights of texting. He's awesome, and I appreciate the time. Uh, let me tell you about the Bet Parks app. It's the casino and sportsbook app. It's fantastic. Get it, download it, and take advantage of our boost for tonight. Going with the under six and a half goals. It was minus 148 to 110, but as a special on Bet Parks, Use the promo code BRICKWALL, one word, all caps, B-R-I-C-K-W-A-L-L, and that'll boost it from minus 110 to plus 120 for the under six and a half goals on the Rangers-Islanders game tonight. And you can bet same game parlays, live in-game betting, all there, easy to use, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. So download the Bet Parks app today. You need to be over 21 in President Pennsylvania. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And Conquerville Subaru. Great time to go check out Conquerville Subaru certified pre-owned inventory and a list of incoming vehicles. Check out their dealership, all the great work in the community service department where you get a free car wash with every visit. And uh, check out ConquervilleSubaru.com. See all the info there or swing down to Route 202 in Glen Mills and visit the beautiful dealership. Make sure you tell them that I told you to swing by and say hello. And remember that Conquerville cares. All right, we'll be back uh, Friday. Adam Kimmelman from NHL.com will be our guest on Friday. On episode 11 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Leave us a five star rating and review. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And we shall talk to you next or coming up this Friday on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.